Welcome to Mentored. Join two professional mentors, Carson Pugh and Martin Sanders, as they provide straight talk and wisdom to fellow leaders. Their approach is no-nonsense, practical, and focused on helping you become a better leader in all aspects of your life. Together, we'll gain valuable insights and actionable advice from these seasoned mentors. So now, here's our episode. Funny how that music can just like lift you up and get us ready to go and talk about the topic for this episode. We want to, in this particular episode, talk about something that is avoided in a lot of circles, talking about mentoring, and that is we want to explore the importance, the cautions, and the power of having a voice from another gender or another generation speak into our lives. Mm -hmm. What are some of the benefits of that? Well, you just get a different perspective. There's been lots of terms that talk about echo chamber, mm -hmm. talking and listening to yourselves. You just don't have other perspectives. And both of these provide very different and useful perspectives. If you watch in relationships, the difference between men and women in particular around the mentoring topic, I can see the value that there is of hearing from other people. We had this situation where Glenda and I were meeting with a woman and listening to her story about her family and her leadership and her organization. And we were there together and I'm listening and I'm processing it all. And at the end, when I thought we were all done and finished, Glenda reached across the table and just placed her hand on this woman's arm and said, you're really hurting, aren't you? And the woman burst into tears. And I missed all of that. I didn't pick up on it. I've had the exact same experience with two variations. One is, yes, I thought we were done. A touch on the arm from a female in the room, and it would start in a whole nother direction. The other one is, I, I thought we were done. The time said we were done. And the woman who was working with me asked a different kind of question, mm -hmm. one that I didn't think pertained as much. And it went on, in my mind, much longer than I had anticipated, but was so useful. Yes. I think when we allow ourselves to hear voices and a different perspective coming from another gender or another generation, perhaps, there is an opportunity for us to grow in self-awareness because we just did not see like that. Mm -hmm. And we can also increase our sense of empathy that we have in dealing with other people. And as a result, we actually improve our leadership. Carson, when it comes to mentoring, I decided as the aging white male that one of my roles was to be a resource person, leadership development and mentoring, but intentionally do this with people who weren't like me. Well, there's a whole bunch of misconceptions about this topic because there are some people who feel like, oh, you cannot have people from one gender mentoring another gender because that's always going to lead to sexual intentions. And that, that's just simply not true. There are ways in which we can respond and, and set it up so that that doesn't happen. One of the conversations that we've had in these mentoring networks 
is just have conversations about dealing with your own identity things and honestly addressing what's left over so that that doesn't have to be always a cautionary thing. Right. But open conversations to get you started so that you can move ahead. Well, some people are afraid of it because they fear that it can lead to inappropriate behavior. I think it's also a misconception when people take a hard line and they say, men cannot mentor women. Professionally, we've seen that be addressed in the workplace. So it obviously can happen. It's just sometimes in faith circles, we hold the line. I've said for decades, we've really liked the use of the Joseph model, just turn and run. Mm -hmm. I said the only reason turn and run worked for Joseph is because he wanted to be a person of integrity who turned and ran. If you'd rather stay and play, Right. That's a whole different story. Because although you may physically have removed yourself, your mental capacity stayed back there. Mm -hmm. And as we know, the brain is one of those things that just takes on a life of its own, which defeats the purpose of just physically removing yourself. Right. I have spoken at conferences before about mentoring or about leadership and have emphasized the fact that gender should not be a barrier to mentorship. A man would say, I will never mentor a woman. And my response is, okay, then you've just cut out 50% of the world's population. Are they being punished because you can't handle it? Or is it that you can't mentor somebody who is different than you? But it is worthwhile to bring up. I, I have been intrigued just in the realms of sexuality that people create pretty hard lines that then carry over to affect so many other relationships, mm-hmm. yeah. which started out as a good thing, taken a bit too far. Yeah. You know, what? Uh, we, we both have worked in many other countries, and I do understand that there are some cultural differences here. We're speaking out of a North American setting. That's where we're recording this. But if you go to other parts of the world, we wouldn't be able to be encouraging men and women to mentor one another because it just culturally is verboten. It is not allowed and just would never be received. So I understand that, and I'm not trying to speak into changing the culture there, but I am saying that I believe that there's so many misconceptions about it that we need to challenge some of those and to take a look at it for the sake of the benefits that come out of having that other life speak into you. Question, do we want to talk about the benefits? Where where would you begin a podcast of saying, here's the three to five greatest benefits of reconsidering both generation and gender when it comes to mentoring? I, I hope that everybody listening would understand that you would benefit from getting some feedback from somebody else who is different from you. I think about my leadership and some women who have mentored me at particular stages that they were a game changer in my life because of 
helping me to see some things that I was not seeing. I think of one woman in particular who I was a pastor at a church, and she may have been 20 to 25 years older than I was, but very youthful in spirit. And she approached me after a Sunday morning worship service, and she said, uh, Carson, I really am appreciating you here at our church, but I'm really feeling called to try to help you with something. And I said, oh, what was that? And she said, I'd like to help mentor you in the area of how to pray. And I actually jumped at it because she had a personality that was welcoming and warm and wanted to help me, and I, I loved all of that. And so I started to meet with her, and every two weeks, and she was mentoring me on my prayer life and how to pray. And I'll never forget those moments. And she gave me a gift at the end of our mentoring time together, which I still have sitting on my desk. And it was a bronze egg. It looked like a chicken's egg, but you could unscrew it. And inside were five smooth stones. And it doesn't need any more explanation for people who are familiar with Bible stories. It's the David picking out five smooth stones. And the card that she had with it said, you in your life and in your leadership are going to face some Goliaths and use prayer to help pick up five smooth stones. So that was life-changing for me. The scenario you have just described is one that the average faith leader, church leader, minister, well, almost all of us had those, and a lot of us gained a lot from it. What other ones do we go, let's, let's address this. This was acceptable. Why was it just left in this category? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that we've seen too much in the news mm about failures, specifically moral failures, sexual failures with Christian leaders. And some of those turned into legal situations where the accused pastor sued the church back for wrongful dismissal or whatever. And it just has created a culture of fear, I think. And that unfortunately has spoiled it for a legitimate scenario where a man would love to be mentored by a woman or a woman by a man. I work with a number of mentors as associates of mine, and when we're taking on a new client, one of the questions we ask is, would you have a preference over having a male or a female be your mentor coach? So we give them the opportunity, and some of them have never thought about Mm -hmm. it, but others have come back going, Actually, I think I might really benefit from having a, a female mentor. And if I go, why, why do you say that? He said, because some of what I'm trying to work through actually has to do with my mom. And I'd love to get a woman's perspective on it. So there are many ways in which we can try to look for ways to receive the benefit of having that other voice. One of the things that are also useful um, 
in dealing with male-female things is you communicate differently. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I've learned a lot from that and utilized quite a bit of it. The other one that I'm always fascinated with female leaders is how they build consensus. Mm -hmm. Yes. Being highly decisive and snapping your fingers and making things happen. They go, then, then you, you've lost all of this right. goodwill and keeping people with you. Mm -hmm. I also find women are able to stick with the deeper things. They're not convinced that we've dealt with that before we move on to the next phase of the mentoring. One of my colleagues uh, has an amazing ability to actually work with both women and with men. And she brings a directness often to men that they receive in a way that is different than if I were to provide that. Let, let's talk about some practices because we recognize that there's caution flags that come up around this. So what are some practices that we should be aware of as mentors if we're talking about meeting with somebody who is not the same as you? One of the things I started this just about four decades ago, mm -hmm. I have a contract yeah. for people that I was mentoring that we would start with say, three months and a set number of sessions, and then it would be reviewed. I had different ones for men and different ones for women. Mm -hmm. And the women, I spelled out more things like, um, here's what we will talk about, here's what we won't talk about. I will never reference this in public. I will never make a joke about this. This will mm -hmm. always be safe. And the final line was, this will always be honoring and honest and holy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if not, then we're not doing our job. Right. Well, as you do that, that's very empowering to the mentoring relationship because you're being clear about what the intentions are. Mm -hmm. And my intention is to honor you and to help you to grow. I think we can also set out these expectations and define what appropriate behavior is, how we are going to behave when we're together. And as we do that, you use the word empowering. It also creates very clear timelines, guidelines, and here's what will be covered, here's what won't be. And then at that stage also, I say, we will bring this up from time to time. I think the discipline of having a contract that you put before people, it forces the mentor to think through what the boundary lines are here and what we are going to do. I think I would like to emphasize, especially people who are in leadership positions, that the whole topic of power disparity, this is perhaps one of the most important things to be mindful of because we can be in a mentoring relationship that we've just started and we don't acknowledge the imbalance of power that exists because you happen to be the pastor and the person is a congregant or even an associate pastor there. When we get into a mentoring relationship, we have to analyze what is the power disparity between the two and try to avoid that. I prefer to encourage mentoring situations where there is no power disparity. And that means find somebody outside of your system 
to be that mentor so that there's no way that that's being held over you. One of the specifics I'll give to that is that I can think of many pastors who actually don't function in a way where they acknowledge that they have power, because I don't think they think that they do, and yet it's a very real thing. And the person that they're mentoring, it could be male or female, but if they have a strong sense that you are the power authority, they can weight your words much heavier than perhaps even what you do. So I like to talk about that right up front and create some clear guidelines about communication and decision-making based on that power disparity issue. It is one of the key factors that often gets left out in the last few years, particularly working with politicians, etc. It's been one of the great contributions that they've held up this to the light and said, very often, this isn't actually called an affair. This is an abuse of power. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that happens both sides, both ways. But if you don't talk about it, don't recognize it, yeah. it goes unchecked and somebody's thinking about it. So you might as well make it a part of the conversation. Absolutely. I think let's put it on the table. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about it where there's no emotion involved. And you're right at the beginning of the relationship. Ultimately, you want to avoid inappropriate behavior. And it is always a risk. And in our litigious culture here in the West, it could lead to a harassment charge or a sexual misconduct charge or something like that. So you, you must be wise and careful with this. But I say that not wanting us to put it on the other gender. It's one of the reasons why I started the contracts early on, again, with everyone, but the ones with women, because I was so young, allowed me great freedom and them as well, because yes. almost everybody I was working with was older than me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it just it leveled the playing field on all sides. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I've just said forever, I said, look, I, I'm probably going to do this for a lifetime. I want to be able to tell good stories that both of us would have a very similar narrative. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't be my story, your story. But we get a very similar narrative when we tell the story 10 and 20 and 30 years from now. Mm -hmm. That one seemed to stick with people as well. And they went, I would like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a great way to start. Hey, it's Carson here, and I want to talk to you for a moment about my good friend, Martin. I'm wondering if you're in the place where you're looking for a dynamic and engaging speaker who can inspire your audience at your next conference, because I want you to consider my buddy, Martin. With his unique blend of humor, passion, and in-depth spirituality, he's an engaging presence for leadership conferences and events. His talks aren't just informative, they're transformative. And whether he's speaking to a room full of leaders or influential figures or pastors or professionals, Dr. Sanders knows how to connect and deliver a message that resonates. So if you're looking for a speaker for your next conference, check out my dear friend Martin. Contact us today at mentoredpodcast.net to learn more about his availability for your event. So, so I think being respectful of people, of one another, communicating clearly, and then also monitoring your relationship. A counselor 
once taught me about the concept of, did you get a buzz off the meeting? And he's meaning, did you get a sexual stimulation out of that gathering? I, I try to help mentors in particular, both male and female, to be able to ask that question going, did you get a buzz? And everybody knows what I mean. Everybody has experienced that. That sense of getting a buzz out of this particular relationship should be a signal, a very clear signal that you need to reestablish some boundary lines. You anticipate working with someone and even find yourself triggered a bit about this. Is there ever a positive side to this? I look forward to being around them. It's mutually beneficial. Oh, there's, there's people that we mentor where I look forward with anticipation to the session because I just really enjoy them. And often I'm stimulated, not in a sexual way, I'm stimulated by the joy that they bring and just hearing how God's working in their lives. And, mm -hmm. and I get encouraged and supported when I see growth happening with them. So, of course, I look forward to those. But I do want to say, if you are really honest with yourself, just do that double check and ask, you know, am I getting a buzz off of this? And by that, I'm talking about a sexual buzz. And then be honest enough to say, I need to keep this particular one in check. For me, it has yes. limited value for the other person. It's not about them. It's about me. Right. Another one that I've used in mentor training is you want to look at some notes sometimes or just recognize who's next on your schedule or you will be meeting later in the day mm -hmm. with someone. If you anticipate that a little too much, if you're thinking about it, mm -hmm. it's yeah. consuming time, energy, emotion. Yeah. That's a flag. Right. If you're a little too excited about that meeting. Carson, what about placement of time in the day? Is there one that's better or something to attempt to avoid? You and I have different rhythms to our day. Mm -hmm. And so don't plan to have that meeting at a time when you're in your low ebb, because that makes us more susceptible to veering off script. Mm -hmm. I would just choose to have those meetings maybe earlier in the morning for me. Pick a time that really works for you. Let, let me ask you about your thoughts about meeting in a public place. Like I know some people who do this kind of mentoring will sort of insist that we meet out in a public arena. What, is, what do you think about that? Well, a lot of that depends on where you live. Um, <laughs> like there, northern Manitoba yeah, there, or there, there are places where you don't want to <laughs> invite anyone to meet outside for a very long time. It's a brief but meaningful mentoring connections at that point. <laughs> yeah, I've done that with lots of people with problem solving, coaching, mentoring. Um, it's, it's sometimes just a good break to be outside, mm -hmm. but it also helps with Everybody sees you're yeah. right there. It, it doesn't have to be a, something that you're particularly guarded about. It's just a relaxed and comfortable situation. Mm -hmm. yeah. My thoughts on this, I think that it does provide a degree of openness about it. If that makes you feel more comfortable, great. But if there's going to be a problem, it's not solved by that. Not at all. In the same way that 
when they placed windows in pastors' doors at the church to prevent anything inappropriate from happening, those are all trying to bring an external solution to what is an internal problem. And in our encouraging mentors, before we would say, go out and get engaged with cross-gender or cross-generational mentoring, you better do a good thorough heart check to find out if you're capable of doing that, if you're able to do that, and make sure you don't hurt anybody. It's good wisdom. Uh, I, I really like peer mentoring, so that mm -hmm. you've got similar experiences, similar terminology, you don't have to explain or over-explain. I find it interesting with generations how so many of our shared experiences are so different. Yes. And it just takes time to figure out, how do I put this on their page? How do I ask a question that's how their brain function works and their experiences have mm -hmm. been? But having been in graduate education for this long, when I first started, the average student was older than me. And then it very quickly over the next decade or so, most everybody was younger. Yeah. So, so much of my life has been with people uh, younger and I've, I've learned a lot, both women and men, and it's been quite useful. What you do, though, as a mentor, is you have to shift to generational adjustments. Mm -hmm. You can't invite them uh, into the world of mentoring and then expect them to enter your world. Right. That's I just spent time with some guy older than me who wanted some business sense coaching and threw in some heart and soul stuff. And one of his first things is, I refuse to hire Gen Z. I'd rather close my business down. There's so, okay, a lot of that talk happening. We need to start there then. Let's because think about that. In his mind, he couldn't, wouldn't. Yep. Couldn't make the shift. Didn't want to, didn't want to have to do the work to make mm. the adjustments. Mm. Well, what are some practical ways we could encourage people to seek out somebody who is either not of their gender or a different age group, is it something that they seek out or do they just, does it just happen? I, I wish we didn't have to put emphasis on any of this, right. that we could live out life and mm -hmm. loves and faith together, but we don't live in that world. And so as much as possible, let's go, who would be a person I'd like to connect with? Mm -hmm. Or if we're the mentor, if someone like this approached me, I would, I would like the challenge. I would like to contribute something to them. Yeah. And rather than looking at people so differently, let's look at commonalities, particularly some heart and soul things. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes mm -hmm. you just go, I, I, I like the connection with this person because it's useful to me. Yeah. And I think we can both benefit from it. You, you know, that's just such a Christ-like thing to say because I think of, I think of Jesus and the, what we're told about him in living out his life, his engagement with both men and women, he treated them rather equally in terms mm -hmm. of the heart and soul issues in their lives. He's our model, and as a Christ follower, I don't want to exclude half of the population of the earth because of some hard and fast rule. I also want to help and mentor others so that harm doesn't come out of those relationships. Exactly. Well, whew, that's a heavy topic, kind of. It shouldn't be, but it, but it was. 
And that's what we've been offered because of the guidelines and boundaries other people have placed upon it. Yeah. And we're just saying, let's reconsider them. Yes. If they're necessary and useful in your environment, use them. If Mm -hmm. not, don't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for being a place where we can at least talk about this and put the conversation out there and let people think about it and in many ways try to encourage mentoring in all aspects of life. Thanks, Martin. Absolutely. Thank you, Garson, for your contribution. You want to hear more from us and find other resources on mentoring? Head over to our website at www.mentoredpodcast.net where you'll find all our topics as well as a way to subscribe to future episodes. And we'd also appreciate it if on social media, you take a moment to like or comment on our episodes. This helps us create better content and reach more people with our message. I'm Martin Sanders. And I'm Carson Pugh. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.